helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Everyday Americans, Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. Tomorrow is Veterans Day, so I decided to open well, with some patriotic music. In fact, I'm going to use it going in and out of all the commercials today. You know, every year, we set aside a day to remember those who have served in our nation's military. We honor the sacrifice of these men and women, not to mention their families. Shouldn't we give some thought, though, to what they sacrificed for? Each and every member of the various branches of the military, including the National Guard, take an oath to defend the Constitution. What about the American people? We don't take that oath, but don't we have some responsibility to uphold that Constitution as well? Shouldn't we honor the sacrifice of one of our own? The men who signed the Declaration of Independence pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honor to support that document and the idea of independence. Shouldn't we honor their sacrifice and the sacrifice of our veterans with a similar promise? Well, that's kind of what I'll look at today is, is how are we doing with honoring the, the pledge that, that our military men and women take? Yeah, I did a little search. It's not, it's not too hard to find uh, the actual oath of enlistment. This actually is from the Army's website. And it states, I, you state your name, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed above me, according to the regulations of the Uniform Code of Military Justice, so help me God. Now, what's interesting is that oath actually didn't come into effect until October of 1962. It, it modified slightly the. Um, the original oath that had been used since, well, 1789. But there's a couple things in there that always catch my attention. Remember, the military isn't there to support the president. The military doesn't take an oath to support the country. The military takes an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. And it takes that oath to fight it, to protect it from, to defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I think that's something maybe the American people should take a little more seriously. I mean, let's face it. If, if you know, the Constitution, well, the Constitution pretty much has been locked in a drawer, uh, abandoned, ignored, basically treated like nothing for decades. These men and women serve, they sacrifice. Sure, they may be asked to, to sacrifice their lives. They may be asked to go into battle. Many of them, by the way, don't, but they do sacrifice. They give up opportunities in you know, to to make more money, to to even be in control of where you live and 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 what you do. It's a tremendous sacrifice, and I think the least the American people can do 
It's not simply say once a day, maybe watch a parade or some of us might go, uh, uh, you know, visit uh, a, a, a VA hospital, but we should honor their sacrifice, their pledge to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. We should treat the Constitution with as much honor and as much, uh, um, I don't want to say reverence so much as we should care for it as much as they pledge to. Because, ladies and gentlemen, as I look around, um, we don't treat the Constitution very well. In fact, I would say the vast majority of the American people pretty much ignore the Constitution. Oh, sure, we may mention it from time to time, especially when we're upset about something. Some of us may even walk around with it in our pockets, and we've always got it, or, or maybe you're proud that you've read it, but do you take any time with it? Think of how many years you've been on this earth, and then ask yourself, how many times have you actually read the Constitution? If the number of times, if the number of years you lived vastly exceeds the number of times you've read the Constitution, maybe you don't know it as well as you think you do. Then again, maybe if, if the number of times you've read and studied the Constitution far exceed your years on Earth, maybe uh, you know, maybe what have you, I can ask, what have you done to share that? Because as I look at this world around us today, as I look at some of the news that's been coming up, I have to say this: while the Military, the officers and enlisted men and women of the military, they may pledge to defend and support and defend the Constitution. Seems like we, the people, are doing a pretty piss poor job of taking care of it ourselves. I mean, the Constitution created a republic. It's actually created a republic of republics because the United States guarantees to each state a republican form of government. But yet, I saw this this article. This was from News with Views that there are three states that are dealing with election fraud issues. Now, I'd mentioned previously that a, a, um, in a primary election for, I think it was Bridgeport mayor, uh, the, the actual election was thrown out by a judge because of the, um, the fraud that was shown, that was brought into, the, the, you know, the evidence of fraud that was brought into his courtroom. He was shocked by, the, by that and actually threw out the election. They have video that apparently shows supporters of the incumbent mayor stuffing stacks of papers into ballot boxes. Not that dissimilar from what we saw in the 2020 election. Just find the movie 2,000 Mules. Then in Massachusetts, just one state north, a mayor or a candidate is facing accusations of bribing residents to vote. City officials in Springfield claimed that... Um, they witnessed voters being brought to City Hall for early voting, some of them expecting cash in return for voting for a Democratic candidate. Then New Jersey, now they've had their own problems, but the uh, state attorney general office, well, they've announced fraud charges related to mail-in ballots and voter registrations in the 2020 and 2021 elections. Allegations claim that Patterson City Council President Alex Menendez um, 
collect that his campaign collected unsealed mail-in ballots, inspected them to determine if they were cast for him, and replaced those that weren't. These replacement ballots allegedly came from voters' mailboxes. Brings a pretty sad question to the idea of, of mail-in balloting. Now, of course, there's a lot of talk about the 2024 election, which is coming up. We've got primaries will be happening, but I don't pay primaries a whole nother kettle of fish. But I look at the actual election in November of 2024 and ask, are we going to have the same disaster that we had in, in 2020? And I don't mean the winners and losers. I mean the process, the evidence of fraud, the evidence of state malfeasance, uh, you know, changing, appointing illegal electors, violating the Constitution. I remember shortly after the 2020 election, and I actually talked to um, one of those states that is th- th- that had uh, problems with that, where the courts changed the manner of appointing electors. And I, I talked to people, you know what? And in, in people in their state legislature, they were unwilling to do the simple thing to deal with the problem. Now, would that have changed the outcome of the presidential election? I don't think so. But it makes you wonder. If a state could know they've got a problem and do nothing, if the state legislature, the people you hire to represent you, can see the problem, know there's a problem, be given evidence of the problem and a solution, but are unwilling to do that, what good is our election? I mean, if you live in New Jersey, where uh, um, a candidate for Plainfield mayor, a doctor, uh, I think it's Henry Lynn Ibism. I'm sorry, I'm probably mispronouncing that, and I don't mean to. Um, he's been charged with election fraud, claiming that his associates, his associates um, completed blank voter registration applications and delivered nearly a 1,000 of them to the post office. Now, why are fake voter registration applicants? Because then they can request mail-in ballots and use those to steal your your right to vote, steal your representation. I have to ask you, is that what these men and women sacrificed for? Can you go to Arlington National Cemetery or, or the Normandy Memorial Cemetery? Look at all those headstones and ask, is this what you fought and died for? Is this what you gave, as as President Lincoln said, the last full measure of devotion? And it's not like they did something wrong. I think it's we the people that have allowed the, 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 not just the words of the Constitution, but the concepts behind it to fall into disrepair. The um, the House Judiciary uh, Committee released a, another report claiming to show that uh, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agents, or CISA, a part of the De- Department of Homeland Security, um, they they created what they call an, an election integrity partnership and, and an information exchange with uh, well a group that has been used to suppress information leading up to the. Uh, 2020 election. Uh, Representative Jordan, who chairs that committee, claims that there are hundreds of reports show how the DHS, CISA, 
and uh, the State Department and, uh, and Stanford University and others worked together to censor what you got to see before the 2020 elections. Now, okay, some of it they said were just jokes and opinions, but that included some true information. To, are we still the land of the free in the, if, if, the, um, if we don't have free and fair elections? If government actors can not only censor information, but think of it this way. Not only did they censor the information, but you have a, a Republican administration being used to censor information to promote a Democratic candidate. You can't simply claim that that you know the 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 swamp or the deep state or the bureaucratic state or whatever you want to call it is is purely partisan, based on who's in office. There is a level of control that they claim over all of our lives. I have to ask: Is that what these men and women fought and died for? I wrote an article a couple of years ago about the um, the Battle of Athens, Tennessee. Having moved to Tennessee many several years ago, I found this very interesting because what we have here is men and women, soldiers, I should say men, soldiers, right? Because it's World War II, 1944. They had gone to Europe to fight, to defend the Constitution against foreign enemies. They, they, they fought, they bled, they died, and some of them came home. And they came home in, uh, uh, in, in this town of Athens, Tennessee, in McMinn County, to find a corrupt election process. They had a corrupt sheriff with corrupt deputies and an election process designed to keep the corrupt people in place. They denied access to legal voters. They allowed illegal voters to vote. Uh, they bullied, they intimidated. And finally, the men who had gone to Europe to fight for our freedom had to fight for freedom in their own backyard. They had to take up arms in order to expose a criminal election conspiracy. Partially it's because, well, the people in the county weren't willing to do anything. When they had reached out to federal officials for help, state and federal officials for help, they were ignored. These men had to stand and fight for themselves. And they stood and fought for their neighbors. And not only did they expose the conspiracy, did they expose the fraudulent elections, but they drove uh, the, the sheriff and the mayor and others they effectively left town in fear. And these men who had fought for freedom overseas, now fought for freedom in their hometowns, now were tasked with defending the streets until they could get a, a properly elected government. So let me ask you, if we have ballot stuffing, like they did in Athens, Tennessee, on a national level, if we have uh, registration issues, if we have, uh, um, if we have ballots being counted behind closed doors without observation, as they did in Athens, Tennessee, do you really want to wait until 
people get so fed up that they pick up arms to regain their right to, to a free and fair election? Or do we want to do something about that before we get that far? I think if we wish to truly honor those who have served, we do so by standing up for the fight before the fight begins, by supporting the Constitution, by supporting freedom and justice, and then by actually doing more than just sitting around expecting someone else to pass some law to make things all better. I think that's how we honor the, uh, the men and women who had fought for this nation. We do so by standing up and doing what is right. We do so by not waiting until we have to pick up arms. We do so by taking that constitution out of the, the, the drawer, out of the, 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 the shadows, and we learn how to use it as the tool that it is so that we, the people, can defend and assert our rights, can control government so that we can all live free. Now, I have to take a break. Before I go, though, there's a great way to boost your short-term focus and your long-term brain power. It's called Healthy Cells Focus and Recall Vitamins. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop. But please go to the website, healthycell.com. Use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud. And as a thank you, well, they give you 25% off your first order. Also, please head to the website, constitutionstudy.com slash patriots. That's our patriots program. That is where we find men and women that want to learn more about the Constitution, learn more about how to live as free men, and most of all, to support and defend the Constitution so that we can defend and assert our rights. Again, find out more at constitutionstudy.com. Clean, pure, with premium ingredients, Global Healing's Pure Plant Protein offers 20 grams of protein per scoop, and it's the perfect way to maintain and build lean muscle while indulging yourself. It combines enzymes and probiotics to maximize nutrient absorption, improving digestion, and your gut health. Available in vanilla and chocolate flavors, elevate your protein consumption while supporting your overall wellness with pure plant protein. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out americaoutloud.shop, look for ASEA Cell Signaling Molecules Liquid Supplement, and check out Nurse Michelle's recent favorite ASEA product, Renew 28 Revitalizing Redox Gel, because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when I broke my hip. Give it a try for your aches and pains and let Nurses Out Loud hear how your health has improved. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code 
out loud, global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. We're celebrating Veterans Day. I know it's tomorrow, unless you're listening on podcasts and maybe it was before, but the idea is simple. We are remembering those who served, who, who voluntarily, nowadays, voluntarily sacrificed. I mean, yes, we used to have a draft. We don't have one anymore. But they sacrificed to defend the Constitution. That is their role. The The oath says, yes, we will, we will follow the orders of the president and our officers, but only for, according to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, U.S. law established under the, the powers of the Congress under the Constitution to set the rules and regulations for the military. See, everything keeps coming back to the Constitution. And because the American people have figured, in my opinion, they, they decided to let somebody else worry about the Constitution, someone else defend their rights for them. Well, we now live in a time where our rights are in trouble. And, and again, they're in trouble because most Americans I meet don't know what the Constitution says. They don't recognize when their rights are being violated until it's too late. And very few of them actually are prepared to defend and assert their rights. Uh, here's a classic example. So we've got this group called the American Accountability Foundation. And uh, one of the things they do is they, I guess, issue reports on presidential nominees. And, well, let's just say that several of Biden's nominees have withdrawn their nominations um, a after being, you know, the AAF actually, oh, I don't know, providing information about them. Now, at, at the beginning, that sounds, okay, so, um, so what? Well, the problem is the IRS apparently is opening an investigation into the American Accountability Foundation. Now, the fact that they're opening an investigation on its face doesn't promote so much of a problem, except that um, it appears that the IRS has requested uh, AAF to submit internal financial data as well as communications and meeting notes, publications, and newsletters. Now, this is according to a letter that was sent from the IRS to AAF and, and obtained by the Daily Caller News Foundation. Well, here's my response. If, if, if I were in charge, if it were my decision, my response to the AAF, uh, that the AAF should give to the IRS is, we will turn over whatever you can get a, an actual functional constitutional warrant for. Now, AAF is, is a, is a tax-exempt organization. Their status was approved in August of 2021. So I'm sure that might endanger their tax-exempt status as a retaliatory strike. But remember, the IRS is part of the federal government. And before they go searching, there must be probable cause. See, the AAF, just like any other organization, has the right to be secure from unreasonable searches. Unless and until the IRS can provide probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and then specifically detail what they're searching for and where they will search, the AAF should have no legal requirement to do anything but reply, uh, no, thank you, we, we decline to comply until you get a legal warrant. 
Now, the funny part is, you know, and, and again, I know the IRS would be pissed about this. But understand, if you understand the Constitution, if you know your rights, you look at this and immediately say, wait a second, what right does the IRS have to just suddenly investigate? Now, according to uh, Tom Jones, president of AAF, he says this sudden request by the IRS is not random. The IRS is demanding correspondence files, emails, and information posted on a website that relates to current public elected officials. He says it's clearly a sign that they are targeting our research and education activities. It's a deliberate attempt to punish and suppress AAF activities. It is surely no coincidence that AAF, the very organization that exposed the weaponization of the IRS, is now the target of it. Hmm. Political retribution. Could that, is that, is that supporting the Constitution to do this? Now, again, if the IRS has any actual legitimate reason to investigate, they should be able to get a warrant. They should be able to convince a judge, here is our probable cause. Here is the oath or affirmation supporting the probable cause. Now we want our warrant so we can go search. Until then, the AAF is under no constitutional requirement to give the IRS the information they've requested. Now, the AAF must decide for themselves whether or not they're going to comply with the request. It's not my job to tell them what to do. But I give them information. I share this information with you and with them for the very simple reason of this. I've identified a, a, um, an infringement on their rights. And I'm giving them, and I'll be more than happy to help them. If you're with the AAF and you want me to document some of this stuff, I'd be more than happy to. But here you go. Here is proof that the IRS has no legal stand, has no, they have no legal standing. The Constitution, the supreme law of the land. If you want to search, you have this, this obviously is not an, an exigent circumstance. They're not in pursuit of a felon. They, 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 the claim that well, um, evidence might be destroyed would be pretty thin. But you do still require a warrant, and um, they haven't gotten one. Again, like I said, it's AAF's decision. As a constitutional scholar, I'd be more than willing to help uh, document my research to allow to give them more ammunition to defend themselves from such an unreasonable search. Uh, here's another example, not, not of a search, but a, a violation of the Constitution, a violation of people's rights that a lot of people haven't caught. See, there's you heard the announcement that uh, Joe Biden signed an executive order that uh, wants to, to regulate artificial intelligence. Now, let me start off right at the bat. That executive order is meaningless. Legally, it should be, it's void. Um, first of all, uh, regulating computer programs, artificial intelligence, nowhere does that show up in the Constitution. Now, again, AI is not going to show up because it didn't exist back then. But the very idea of regulating, not interstate commerce, but regulating data storage, data information, this is a... Um, uh, you know, the, the, the president has no authority to do that. If there was authority to regulate this, if they could somehow twist this into interstate commerce, then it would be Congress that does this, not the president of the United States. Now, if you look at the Supremacy Clause, Article 6, Clause 2, you see three things that are the supreme law of the land. The Constitution, 
the laws of the United States made pursuant to the Constitution and the treaties made or that, that are under the authority of the, of the United States, which comes from the Constitution. You know what you don't see in that list? An executive order. This is not the supreme law of the land. So when the president directs his uh, departments to um, create guidelines and, and standards, they've got no legal authority to do that. Because regulating the product of people's work is not a power delegated to the United States. But yet, how many people are going to see this and go, oh, well, when they come up with these, we just have to follow them because, well, the government said so. Uh, no, you don't. You know, it's interesting. The, uh, uh, there are three Supreme Court cases I would refer to. Marbury versus Madison, Ex parte Seabold, and Norton v. Shelby County. All clear, to one extent or another, that unconstitutional acts are void. That they, they are legally mean. It's as if they did not happen. But here you have an unconstitutional act. You have the president acting well outside of his constitutional authority. Where in Article 2 do you see the president giving orders to um, uh, control somebody else's system? Again, he says they're looking at the, at the, the Department of Commerce. But again, the United States Congress has the power to regulate interstate commerce and foreign commerce. But this, not, they're not talking about regulating commerce. They're not talking about regulating the sale of AI systems or the use of AI systems across state line. They want to um, promote a consensus for developing safe, secure, and trustworthy systems. They want resources to determine, oh, how are we going to make sure that these systems don't develop disinformation or misinformation or other things the government doesn't like? You know, I have to wonder if the men and women that sacrificed to protect this nation meant to protect a dictator-in-chief who thinks anything he wants to, he can, he can regulate just by telling his departments and agencies to make rules. Oh, by the way, those regulations, those rules that he's talking about, they're not the supreme law of the land. Because again, supremacy clause, it's not the Constitution, it's not a law made pursuant to the Constitution, and it's not a treaty made under the authority of the United States, which comes from the Constitution. So it's not the supreme law of the land. This is garbage. As a friend of mine would refer to it, barnyard substance. But yet we keep going. People don't realize, hey, this is a violation of your rights. What do you mean? Well, let's say you develop an AI system or an AI infrastructure. That's your property. Where does the government have the ability to control, to regulate your property unless it's in a power delegated to the United States, like you're selling it across state lines, interstate commerce? The answer is nowhere. We've, we, you know, the, the very freedoms that these men and women fought and some of them bled and died for are being torn out at the legs because the tools to protect yourself from it sit idle in a drawer or, or that it sits idle in your pocket and you never bother to read it and understand it. And you know what you never do? You never go back to your employees in Congress and say, hey, why don't you tell the, the president, no, you have no authority to do this. Uh, we will not fund it. We, you, don't have, you, don't, you don't regulate interstate commerce. We do. And by the way, you're not talking about interstate commerce. You're talking about regulating computer systems. 
people's property. Now, whether you're concerned about AI or not, the point is, not only does the federal government not have the authority to do this, the president doesn't have the authority unilaterally to do this. This is a violation of his oath of office. This, well, I'd go so far as to say it certainly is a misdemeanor. And oh, by the way, since this would attempt to deprive people of property without due process of law, not only does that make that a constitutional violation, that makes it a federal crime, which means, since he's in office and under oath, that this is a high crime. Hmm, haven't heard anybody talking about, actually, uh, articles of impeachment for depriving people of their property without due process of law, a federal crime. Haven't heard about that, have you? Oh, by the way, here's another example of uh, uh, unreasonable search. I hadn't thought about this before, but if you think about it, the, the CDC has announced that it's going to um, expand its airport surveillance program. You see, originally the CDC created this, this program to uh, 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 search for SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes uh, COVID-19. Uh, another example of how our fear and our lack of understanding, we didn't recognize the uh, infringement on our rights, and, and we didn't defend it. And now the CDC, which works with a third party, is uh, they're expanding it. They, they want to start testing um, to see if inf their travels are infected with, uh, I guess it's like a couple dozen different things now, RSV, a bunch of respiratory viruses. Now, there's a couple interesting twists to this. One is the CDC claims that the program is voluntary, that uh, 360,000 travelers, air travelers, um, have volunteered to participate uh, in, in this program. And it's claimed, well, it's anonymous, but uh, that misses the point of the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment doesn't say you have a right to privacy. It has your right to be secure from unreasonable search. What's the reason behind the search? Well, Somebody may have COVID-19. Um, what makes you think I have it? See, there's this, this whole thing, this, this idea of, you know, uh, if you have nothing, if you've done nothing wrong, why do you care? The answer is I have everything to protect. My rights, my future, my privacy. Because when does the CDC go from voluntary to mandatory? Because here's an interesting point. One of the things that they do in this program, apparently, is they also collect wastewater samples looking for these pathogens. Right? They, 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 right? So, you know, you go to the bathroom, they look for this evidence. The question is, can they tie that virus to anything that identifies you? Well, technically, I don't know. Can they, can they tie it to your DNA? Or is it just in that whole morass of sewage that it, it just gets anonymized. But again, the government is searching, where's their probable cause? And if they're going to do it for uh, COVID and now RSV, what else can they decide is so important that we have to search you, search your stuff? And what does it stop being voluntary? When do they just become, well, we're going to do this because, well, it's for the best of, of everyone. See how these these slippery slopes, these these little, uh, uh, you know, we, you can see it a little here, you can see it a little, you give them an inch, they don't take a mile. They don't take a thousand miles. They take an astronomical unit. You give them one little thing and they keep going. And that's what our lives are becoming.
So as we look at these examples of the ever-power-growing government, the one that just tramples all over the Constitution, that tramples all over people's rights, I have to ask you, can you look a veteran in the face and say, yeah, what you did was, was good and, 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 and we're supporting it. We're helping you. Or can you look at their face and, sh- or do you look at and look away in shame because what they fought for, what they bled for, what family members died for, we just don't care about. It's just the Constitution. It's just the Bill of Rights. We'll let the government take care of everything. Now, before I head out for my next break, I want to remind you to please stop by AmericaOutloud.news every day for the latest news and happenings. But I want you to do more. I want you to share what you find. Take those stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, the things that touch you and share them with the world. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we help share the blessings of liberty. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. AmericaOutloud.news, delivering a message of truth, inspiration, and hope to the world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flus, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. Today, we're honoring our veterans. And I'm asking you to honor them, not just by honoring Veterans Day, 
but by actually honoring their oath, the oath to support the Constitution, to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Let's not expect those young men and women that have served, that are currently serving, to do all the work, to do all the lifting. We must do our part. That involves reading and studying the Constitution, as our first Chief Justice told us, the, you know, that we should know what our rights, when our rights are being violated and be prepared to defend and assert them. Now, if there's one area where, I mean, it's just, I find it insane uh, what the American people are letting their, their representatives in, in government get away with. It has to be spending. You know, we're what, 33.6, maybe seven at this point, trillion dollars in debt. I mean, these are numbers that we can't, we can't comprehend. We're sending, you know, billions and billions of dollars to uh, to Ukraine. We spent. Uh, we're, we want to spend send money to to Israel. Um, we we abandoned billions of dollars of weapons in Afghanistan, and it's just like it's like monopoly money. They just keep throwing it around as if there is no cause, there is no issue. Now. One area that seems to be a boondoggle that, that President Biden really likes is Amtrak. Now, when I lived in upstate New York, I used Amtrak. It, it, it uh, Where I lived, not that far from Albany, the state capital, uh, there's an Amtrak station, it's called the Albany Rensselaer Station, uh, just on the other side of the river from Albany. And I would take it, and I would take it into New York City. And there are a lot of factoids about it. Uh, um, ridership is down, but the you know, the amount of the, the the price of my ticket, how much it was subsidized, and and for some reason Amtrak keeps losing money. I mean, it's bleeding money like it you know, you've struck an artery. Well, now the Biden administration says it wants to invest. Government doesn't invest because it's not their money, but they want to invest sixteen point four billion dollars into Amtrak. This this quasi government national passenger railroad system, this whole thing is a boon doggle. And oh, by the way, yeah, it is bloody unconstitutional. Think about this: where in the Constitution is a federal government authorized to create a railroad? Where is it authorized to spend money on a railroad? Where is it authorized to invest any dollar? Not invest. Period. See, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1 says the government can spend money for three, they can collect taxes to do three things, pay the debts of the United States. Well, this isn't paying the debts, this is running up the debts, uh, for the common defense of the United States. Well, Amtrak is not part of the defense system. And lastly, well, for the general welfare of the United States. But remember, that that's capital U, capital S, a proper noun. The very same proper noun that the 10th Amendment says, if the Constitution doesn't say you can do it, you can't. But here we go. Oh, it's only, it's only $16 billion. When did $16 billion stop being a lot of money? You know what? If Amtrak is losing money, let them deal with it. Maybe they should charge the price of what it actually costs them. Then again, very few people will probably be riding Amtrak because my, my ticket used to be like, uh, 50, 60 bucks each way would probably be 150, 60 bucks each way. And that was 10, 15 years ago. When are we going to stop? This is not supporting the Constitution. This is directly in violation of the Constitution. Now the president, well, you know, they have track they need to update. They've got power system. They, got a lot, they have a lot of work to do. Let them do it. 
The problem is, we say, oh, it's convenient. I can jump on here, and I can end up in New York City, or I can take the train across the country, and I like it. Therefore, I want someone else to pay for it. Well, guess who's paying for it? You are. Whether you use it or not, you're paying for it. And you're going to continue paying for it until you turn around and you tell your representative, this is unacceptable. This is, this is you know, if I, I look at your score, this is a violation of the Constitution. This is unacceptable. You keep doing this type of stuff, I'll find somebody who actually knows what the Constitution says and will follow it. That's, we have to take responsibility for our representatives. They work for us, ladies and gentlemen. The 435 members of the House work for the the people in their districts. They are the employees of the American people. They are public servants. Too often, though, we expect them to tell us what to do. No, ladies and gentlemen, it's about time we tell them what to do. That's what these veterans have sacrificed for. They didn't sacrifice to become a dictatorship. They didn't sacrifice to have government rule over us. They sacrificed for the land of the free. But how free are we when the government can simply make up rules, make up executive orders, spend your money however they darn please without any consideration of the law of the Constitution? How can we call ourselves the home of the brave if we are too cowardly to stand up to this nonsense? Here's another example. Go back. I'm going to go back to the Supremacy Clause for a second, right? Because there are three things, right? The Constitution, the laws of the United States, and the treaties made under the authority of the United States. But the rest of the Supremacy Clause says, and the judges shall be bound thereby anything in the constitutional laws of any state to the contrary, notwithstanding. Meaning, the judges are bound to the Constitution, not the other way around. The judges do not say what the Constitution says means. They have to follow what the Constitution means. Now, they may have an idea, they may have a, an interpretation, but that isn't law, although they like to call it law. It's not. It has no legal authority other than the minds of the brainwashed judicial system. But you know what they can't do? They cannot create law from the bench, and they cannot redefine words because they don't like them. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, in a, in a three-judge panel, basically rewrote the English language, or parts of the English language. They simply turned around and said, you know what? Um, you know, Illinois has decided to, well, we're going to regulate um, what they call assault weapons, right? And, and high-capacity high magazines. And you know what? We decided that that doesn't fall under the Constitution. It doesn't fall in the Second Amendment anymore. Why? Well, they said, well, it's not a personal weapon. It's a military weapon. Um, the Second Amendment doesn't protect personal weapons. It doesn't distinguish between personal and and uh, uh, military. It says the right of the people, that's you and me, to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Well, what is an arm? Well, according to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, an arm is weapons for offense or armor for defense and the protection of the body. Meaning... Is it a weapon for offense? Yes. Then it's an arm and it's protected by the, by the Second Amendment. But you see, again, we have judges simply are making up rules all on their own. I can't tell you how many 
discussions and debates I have that all hinge on this idea of, you know what, a judge says so, therefore it's law. It's not the way the Constitution works. That's not what those veterans fought and died for. They died so that we tell the government what it can do, not the other way around. That when we, the people, created the Constitution through the states, when they ratified the Second Amendment that said arms, arms, weapons for offense, armor for defense, that's exactly what we meant, and no judge has the authority to change that definition. Because if they did, we are no longer a republic. We're an oligarchy. And our veterans did not swear or affirm to support the oligarchy of the United States, but the Constitution of the United States. But you see, nobody holds them accountable. Because we whine and complain, we don't turn around to our, and this is a federal court going, hey, um, excuse me, Mr. Mr. Member of the House of Representatives, my representative, um, where's your censure? of these out-of-control judges. They're just going to rewrite laws, rewrite the rules, rewrite, rewrite English language because they want to. And again, it's not just the Second Circuit, right? What's, look at the, the judge in the, the, the Trump trial in New York. Now, this is what's called a bench trial, meaning the judge will decide. But he has the audacity to say, I'm not here to listen to what Donald Trump has to say. Excuse me? You're supposedly a, an impartial judge overseeing a trial, and you don't want to hear what the defendant has to say? This is a travesty of justice, and this is exactly what we get when we fail to, um, to know what the Constitution says. When we fail to train, to read, to study, to train in the Constitution so that we recognize when rights are being violated. So we have a, a, we've already prepared. How do we defend our rights? How do we assert our rights? How do we do this? We keep waiting for someone else to protect us. That's the problem. Our veterans did not fight so that someone else could protect us. They fought so that we could protect ourselves. And at the moment, we're doing a pretty piss poor job as, of it as a collective. Now, that's not to say there aren't individuals and groups that are doing a good job. To me, one, they're few and far between. Two, they're not working together. They're, they're, they're like, like whack-a-mole, right? One sticks up, and then as soon as somebody comes on them, somebody else sticks up, but they don't help each other. They don't support each other. And sadly, some of these groups are working off of, well, an interpretation of the Constitution that doesn't match the actual language. So you end up with groups fighting over, you know, uh, uh, Fourth Amendment versus Fourteenth Amendment. I've seen groups fighting over uh, whether or not the the Fourth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment, incorporates the First Amendment into the to the states, ignoring the actual language of the Constitution that says the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law. The Fourteenth Amendment didn't change the language of Congress. So you have all this infighting. Because we keep wanting our way, and we never bother to find out, wait a second, what does the Constitution actually say? See, that's what I, I started the Constitution study for, was to help people read and study the Constitution, so they could know what it says, so they could defend and assert their rights for themselves and have the tools to do it. That's why I started the Patriots program, 
a more formal system so that these different groups, you want to learn about the Constitution, let's do it. Let's see how we build arguments that are supported by the Constitution. How do we go about protecting ourselves? How do we figure out what we're going to do before we have to? Because the body will not go where the mind hasn't been. That's part of what we're doing here. That's why I come to this radio program each and every day. Well, every weekday, five days a week, to help give you information, to help you recognize when your rights are being violated. Maybe give you some hints and tips how you can defend and assert your rights. Maybe just show you what I think, what I see from what my experience and my study, and that's what I want to share. And you know what? I do almost all of it out of my own pocket. I get some help from some groups, and I appreciate that. There are some sponsors uh, of America Out Loud to help put this program on, and I am greatly appreciative of the fact that they do that. And I, I don't want to sound like I don't care. But the amount of time I spend on the radio program compared to the amount of time I do in the research, in articles, in videos, in meetings, in trainings, and working with the Patriots, that's me, myself, and I. Because I want to honor the same oath that the veterans took. See, I have a daughter. And my daughter is going to inherit a country that's not as free as the one I inherited from my parents. And that's partially my fault. But I can sit there and whine and complain about it, or I can do whatever I can to give her the best shot of living free, of knowing what her rights are, how to defend them, how to assert them. It's not by fixing Washington, D.C. It's not by bump. It's not by kicking Joe Biden out of the White House. It's not by whether the de Democrat, the, the donkeys or the elephants are in charge of Congress. It's about making sure my town my county, then my state will protect her rights. It's about making sure that local people will protect her rights. That we, we take this, if not a formal oath, maybe an informal promise to ourselves, that we will defend the Constitution, support and defend it against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That we will pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to defend not only our rights, but the rights of our neighbors. Now, I'm only one man. I can only do so much, but what I do is spread these ideas, the, the, the seeds of liberty, as far and as wide as I can. And I know most of the people I talk to, they're not going to do anything with it. They're either going to ignore it because it doesn't quite agree with what they think or, or what they've been told, or, or maybe they get excited about it, but you know, pretty much life gets in the way and they, they stop paying attention. But there'll be a few, a happy few, that take this to heart, that says, yes, I will do something. I will pledge. Maybe I can't pledge a lot. Maybe I can't pledge a fortune. Maybe I can only pledge a few dollars. Maybe I can't pledge that I will die for this, but I will live for this. And on my honor, I will do something to make this a little bit better. Let's not get lost in the forest. You eat an elephant one bite at a time. Figure out what that bite of yours can be. And then take some time today and tomorrow. Look at the veterans in your family Look at the veterans in your neighborhood. Go down to the, the local uh, cemetery and look at the veterans that have served and answer them. What will you pledge in honor of the 
of the sacrifice they have made. Will you support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic? Or you'll simply sit back and watch while it goes the way of the dodo, further ignored, further maligned as we head towards the land of slavery because you've become the home of the coward. Now, I hope you'll come back and join me here at the Constitution Study. We're on every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. Now, all the episodes here, they go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. So you can listen in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Uh, leave us a rating and, and a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But please, share them. Don't just watch them. Share them. Expose others. As I have spread seeds to you, you spread seeds to others. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we share the blessings of liberty. Liberty.